HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Good Sunday to you and welcome to another cheese curdling episode of Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my guest this afternoon is actor and playwright Patrick Fitzgerald. Good Cutting, afternoon. Good afternoon, Patrick. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, Cutting the Curd has been sponsored today by Fairway Market and is being produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. So now I've done a show on cheese and rock and roll, so I thought it would only be appropriate to see what we could turn up in the world of cheese and literature. And I thought I was going through authors and thinking about it and was finally like, you know, who better to get into the nitty gritty of kind of food and the mess of it all than James Joyce. And um, Patrick, who's a, who's a friend of mine, I know was a, was a bit of a Joyce lover himself and uh, had written a play called Gibraltar, which is an adaptation for the stage from the 1922 version of Ulysses. And in it, um, there are various plot lines, but, you know, food and the symbolism of food is kind of a, a central tenet of the, uh, of the play. So we're going to read through bits and pieces of Patrick's play and discuss Leopold Bloom's relationship to food and, uh, and our own relationships to food and how it all kind of, you know, mashes together in the world of literature and, and drama. Um, so again, welcome to Cutting the Curd, Patrick. It's a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, and so, well, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to, to write this piece, Gibraltar? Um, I, I suppose it was just the, the love of the book and, and the fact that I wanted to give it back, kind of, make the story clear and give, give it back to people because I think it's gotten lost in academia um, people are afraid of it, and it's it's a book that just keeps giving and giving, and so I kind of set out just tell a bare bones version of what happens to Leopold Bloom and Molly Bloom, and their daughter Millie and their dead son Rudy on this day, the sixteenth of June, nineteen o four, um, and it's a simple story. It's a, it's just a little love story. It's kind of it does get lost in 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 the brambles of the book. And I just wanted to bring that out, and so I've, I've adapted it, and it's for it's a two-character play, myself and um, Cara Seymour are, are, are the actors. Terry Kinney is directing. He's one of the founders of the Steppenwolf Theatre Company in Chicago, and um, it, it's a love of Joyce, really. 
And so, and there are multiple characters in the play. There's 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 of course there's Molly and there's Bloom, um, and so you guys kind of go back and forth, and you also play the narrator and the muse and. Yeah, it it, it it's it it stagecraft. I mean, it, it, you can do anything. It's a text, and I'm interpreting it, and um, it it kind of just jumps off the page. Um, but let's have a look at, at the first time that we meet Leopold Bloom and uh, in the book and in the play is. Um, the morning he's getting he's getting his wife's breakfast ready and this is the narrator mr leopold bloom ate with relish the inner organs of beasts and fowls he liked thick giblet soup nutty gizzards a stuffed roast heart liver slices fried with crust crumbs fried hen cods rolls but most of all he liked grilled mutton kidneys which gave to his palate a fine tang of faintly scented urine Kidneys were in his mind as he moved about the kitchen softly, writing her breakfast things on the humpy tray. Gelid light and air were in the kitchen, but out of doors, gentle summer morning everywhere, made him feel a bit peckish. So that, that, that that's how it begins, and you know it's food, food right off, you know, and as as we kind of all are, I think I, I know that I am. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> food, Kyle, blood, dung, earth, food like stoking an engine. It all just goes around in a big circle, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think that, uh, I don't know, It's I and I love, you know, relishing in, in the details of all that. It's kind of like, it makes me feel like I'm not so crazy, in a way, for thinking about food as much as I do, because Bloom is really going, going for the nitty-gritty. He's preparing the breakfast, he's making her food, he's thinking about his food. And then a letter comes through the mailbox and everything kind of changes. It's a letter addressed to Mrs. Marion Bloom, bold hand. Mrs. Marion. In those days, it was very bad manners to address a, a married woman by her, her Christian name. It was Mrs. L.M. Bloom. Is, was, so Ooh, okay, so L.M., so Leopold first. Yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and her name is Marion, but she's called Molly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he's... Leopold, but he's called Poldy or Papley or, you know, they all have their little names. Um, but the letter is from Blazes Boyland. Blazes Boyland is a concert promoter. Molly is is a singer. She's a, she's an opera singer she, and, and has a great voice. And she's an outsider and hasn't got any gigs in Dublin for a long time because of her association with the English army. Mm. Um, Bloom is an outsider. His father is Jewish. Um, his mother isn't, but everybody thinks he's Jewish. He's actually not. But, because uh, it's the mother, of course, the in mother, that religion. Yes, yeah, that, that uh, and his, his mother's name was Higgins. Okay. Um, so, um, anyway, we, we, we could take another little bit. Um, let's go to... Um, and now, why is Molly in her bed? Can I just ask this? Because as I was reading it, I was like, is she infirm? Is she sick? Is, is, is Bloom kind of doting on her? Why is he bringing her breakfast in bed? He brings her breakfast in bed every morning. What a husband! She loves to hear him falling up the stairs with the, with the things rattling on the humpy tray. Yeah, yeah and, and she, it's just expected. It's what he does. He's, one, he's kind of one of those guys that gets annoying for bringing the breakfast in bed though you know what I mean <laughs> you, you don't always win by bringing the breakfast in bed I know this I've, I've, I've gone through this before <laughs> it's like you lose cred somewhere you know <laughs> exactly there's there's something to that uh, mystery and intrigue of, of not knowing you know yeah of not knowing if you if you're in their favor mm. all the time I guess and um, you know he, he, he wonders this morning before the letter arrives you know it's like thin bread and butter she likes in the morning 
maybe she'd like something different, but no, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants her thin bread and butter and um, her cup of tea. And so Bloom brings her her breakfast, and then he um, he receives this letter, which is jarring. It, it, it jars him, and and he he sits there and he's like, Mrs. L. M. Bloom, Millie, Mrs. Marion Bloom, bold hand Marion, reading, laying back now counting the strands of her hair, smiling. A soft, calm regret, regret flowed down his backbone, increasing. Will happen. Yes. Prevent. Useless. Can't move. He felt the flowing qualm spread over him. Useless to move now, full, gluey woman's lips. He felt heavy, full, then a gentle loosening of his bowels. Meow. Meow, wait till I'm ready. Heaviness. Hot day coming. Outhouse. A paper. He liked to read at stool. You want to manure the whole place over? He's out in his back garden. Scabby soil. Mulch of dung. Best thing to clean ladies' kid gloves. Dirty cleans. Ashes too. Reclaim the whole place. Grow peas in that corner there. Lettuce. Always have fresh greens then. Still, gardens have that drawbacks. That bee that bit me. Got a pectoral trauma. Better be careful not to get these trousers dirty for the funeral. He's assuming the position in the outhouse. Uh-huh. Something new and easy. No great hurry. Keep it a bit. Quietly he read, restraining himself the first column, and yielding but resisting, began the second. Midway, his last resistance, yielding, he allowed his balls to ease themselves quietly, that slight constipation of yesterday quite gone. Hope it's not too big. Bring on piles again. No. Just right. Ah, one tabloid of Cascara Sagrada. Life might be so. So it. Cascara Sagrada would be a laxative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, it sounds way more sort of flowery and uh, and exciting. Yeah, it's just a. <laughs> I think it's a powder, a herbal laxative. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He talks, yeah, there, there, there's talk, in, um, you know, in different parts of the play about different ointments and, and sort of uh, solutions and filters that he goes to see the pharmacist for. And, uh, uh, yeah, the, you know, he's, he's, he's walking to the, to, the, um, to the chemist, the pharmacist, to, to, to get a lotion made up. Molly has a special lotion, and it's his big job for the day is to get this lotion. Of course, he never gets it in the end. But he goes into the pharmacy, and this is what he's thinking as he's walking in. Smell almost cure you like the dentist's doorbell. Dr. Whack! Those homely recipes are often the best. Strawberries for the teeth. Oatmeal, they say, steeped in buttermilk. Skin food. The first fella that picked an herb to cure himself had a bit of pluck. Simples. Poison's the only cure. Remedy where you least expect it. Clever of nature. So clever of nature. It's interesting. I mean, in all of this, we're talking about you know, food is kind of the is the the jumping off point for a lot of Bloom's trains of thoughts, and then he finds himself out in the outhouse and thinking about the garden and how you know what he's going to do is actually the same thing that's going to make his garden grow next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's kind of a I I feel like a lot of people don't acknowledge we've we've now we live in a time where people don't acknowledge that kind of cycle of of fertility and and how all of that kind of. Uh, plays into you know plays into everything in the life of in the life of the world and, and something about James Joyce that was made him quite controversial as well as um, as potent as he is today is that he was willing to delve into all those kind of disgusting dirty details God is in the dirty details 
I mean, yeah. Um, and and, and th- th- that thing that you're saying that um, about fertility, you know, the, the muse actually says to him when he's going on about his garden, he's like, you know, has, has he not a seed field closer to home that lies fallow for the want of a plowshare? You know, he's like an exotic plant who, who when he was in the Orient, he thrived, but taken out of that atmosphere, he, his roots have lost their quantum vigor. He... he, he Bloom is he's the perennial outsider and he he can't be fertile in that way he has he, uh, you know. now what does he do as a for a career he sells ads uh-huh. on commission is it a real job yeah but it gets to he gets to wander around Dublin an awful lot and but he does I mean he, he does dream of, of you know of one sole unique advertisement to cause passers to stop and wonder a poster novelty simplest not exceeding the span of casual vision and congruous with the velocity of modern life. So he, he, he's, he's quite a modern figure, really, in that, that you know, he's onto the advertising thing. He's, he dreams about this all day as well, yeah. And that's what he's reading when he's on the toilet, is it not? Or is he... No, he's reading Matcham's Masterstroke, ah, okay. prize titbit story written by Mr. Philip Beaufoy at the rate of one guinea per column. Interesting. Yes, you know, from the Titbits magazine, which was a kind of a very popular magazine back then. So he's reading thrash. <laughs> as 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 it should be, I guess, mm-hmm. when you're on the john, mm-hmm. you know, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what everybody does. So you're taking us through you're taking us through Bloom's day. Yeah, uh, I, I could bring you to. He goes to a funeral. Is that uh, the kind of the bit? So there are different events in the day. He's going to the yeah. chemist. He goes to the chemist going... first, and then he goes and has a bath. Okay. Um, you know, and um, he, he fantasizes about masturbating in the bath. And we think he does, but he doesn't because he masturbates later in the day. <laughs> and he says, damn glad I didn't do it in the bath this morning. So that's how we know he didn't do it in the bath. Um, so he has his bath. He, he, he likes himself, Bloom. He looks after himself. You know, he looks after the food he eats, his cleanliness, which was kind of odd in Dublin at the time, you know, where I think the average bath was like once every six months or something but bloom looks after himself he's a he's a modern man yeah he's yeah. a he's a, a metrosexual <laughs> i suppose of his day <laughs> he's taking yeah. he's going to the pharmacist for ointments for himself too isn't he he's he just no not no. really he, 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 he no he doesn't go that but he does get the pure curd soap so he can combine business with pleasure in the bath, <laughs> because the funeral would be rather glum. The f- okay, good. So okay. he's okay. So after the funeral, he's got a plan. Again, he's he's planning. You know. He's well, he's going to go, he's going to go and nail an advertisement, and he's going to do this, and he's doing that. He he doesn't actually get anything done in the day. That's one of the great things about Bloom. He never does anything. He doesn't fight. He doesn't fuck. He doesn't do anything. It's uh, like it's like a tragic Seinfeld character yeah, in a way. Yeah, and you know, and, and, you know he. he, he he thinks, and his wife thinks that he, he's he's having an affair with somebody. But no, he's never had an affair. He's you know he he's got a condom in his in his pocket, and he looks at it and he's like, oh, French letter still in my pocketbook, cause of half the trouble because his wife knows it's there. Um, and then he says, but might happen sometime. And he's like, I don't think <laughs> it's not going to happen. But anyway, uh, at the funeral, he's he's standing there. His friend Dignam's about to be put into the ground, and this is what the this is what he's thinking. Mine over there, the plot I bought, Mama, poor Mama, Ellen Bloom, born Higgins, and little Rudy, who passed away, who departed this life. As if they did it of their own accord. Got the shove, all of them. More interesting if they told you what they were. So-and-so, I travelled for Cork Lino, I paid five shillings on the pound. Or a woman with her saucepan. 
I cooked good Irish stew. The coffin dived out of sight. Pause. If we were all suddenly somebody else. We are praying now for the repose of the soul, hoping you're well and not in hell. More room if they'd buried them standing. Sitting or kneeling? You couldn't. Standing. It's the blood sinking in the earth gives new life. Corpse manure. Rot quick in damp earth. The lean old ones, tougher. Then a kind of a callowy, kind of a cheesy. Then begin to get black, black treacle oozing. A corpse is meat gone bad. Well, and what's cheese? Corpse of milk. So with that, we are going to take a break (laughs) on Cutting the Curd. And when we come back, we are going to get into the second half of the play and talk about Joyce and cheese. Cheese. Radio Network. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my guest this afternoon is Patrick Fitzgerald, author of the play Gibraltar, which is an adaptation of James Joyce's Ulysses. Um, James Joyce, in his book Ulysses, talks a lot about food. Leopold Bloom talks a lot about food. Um, and some things that, you know, I I was kind of, though I haven't read the whole book yet, things that I've been sort of thinking about that were kind of common themes, um, you know, so food is related to sex and sex is related to different aromas, different tastes, nostalgia. Um, there's also decay in the book, which is kind of, woven throughout and these themes though they can be kind of um, repellent and attracting at the same time I feel are really at the crux of this food we call cheese which you know for me I think you know probably way too much about but that last passage about going into the ground and kind of at a some point at some point becoming slightly cheesy and then becoming something else and then he makes the comment about cheese being the corpse of milk it's true there is something that is that is uh very strange and uh almost i don't know that some people love cheese and some people really can't handle it and it is because of that you know because there's this there is this actual decay and this kind of rot that's happening on purpose um that i don't know uh do do you like cheese, Patrick? I, re- I really like cheese. Yes. Okay. I, I do like cheese a lot. Um, some of the more pungent, and uh, I, I, I take them little bits. You know, a little goes a long way. I really like cheese for that because you know you're eating something. 
I'll eat anything as long as I know I'm eating some something real, and it, it, I find that satisfying. It's not consumption of huge amounts, though. Yeah, but I do like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, he does at the end. He puts a vegetable on corpses. He says salt white, crumbling mush of corpse. Smell taste like raw white turnips. So. I, I think that's what a corpse tastes like, maybe. I wonder if Joyce had a bite. I wonder if he had a bite. <laughs> I would not be surprised. On, on the, sorry, on the... Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's just so interesting to me always how, and in describing cheeses or different foods when you eat them, people choose the most curious ways to describe cheese. And I haven't heard white turnips yet, but there is something, yeah, about that earthiness, that pungency. And one of my other, uh, one of another customer of mine once described... Uh, a certain kind of cheese as sex in his mouth, which I thought was, I was like, oh my God. I was like, I can't believe he said that. And then I was like, but I guess, you know, uh-huh. in the end, there's something to it. Cheese and dark chocolate, I think. Yeah. Extremely dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> are, are the two closest things, probably. <laughs> so Joyce is kind of, uh, is not bashful about no. bringing all that to light. No, he's not. But what was the next thing? You had another well, I, passage. I, this, is a, this is a kind of vegetarian segue. Okay. Um, so Bloom has been wandering the streets. He's, he's a bit hungry. This is the very worst hour of the day. I hate this hour. I feel as if I'd been eaten and spewed. It's all about food. You know, we are what we... He, see, he sees somebody coming out of a, a restaurant. There he is, the eminent poet, Mr. George Russell. That might be Lizzie Twig with them, coming from the vegetarian... Only wedge of bubbles and fruit. Don't eat a beefsteak. If you do, the eyes of that cow will pursue you through all eternity. They say it's healthier. Tried it. Keep you on the run all day. Bad as a bloater. Those literary, ethereal people they all are. Dreamy, cloudy, symbolistic. I wouldn't be surprised if it was that kind of food, you see. Produces the poetical. For example, one of those policemen sweating Irish stew into their shirts. You couldn't squeeze a line of poetry out of him. Don't know what poetry is, even. After that, he goes into the... So what about... So is, is Joyce saying that maybe vegetarians are, are lacking that uh, it, it, that connection to the... Or the, you know, it, the real, the well, earthy, he, he, the, the putrid, the fetid... He, the, he's putting them it, 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 with the ethereal, yes. And it, it, not qu- it, it's a very thin line, you know, between the real and the ethereal. But the, it's a theme that runs through the whole book. There's, there's, a po- there's a poster over the bed of the bath of the nymph which is an ethereal picture of a woman beautiful. Is that the woman in the clamshell? No, I don't. That's Venus and... Oh, I, okay. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, no, he made it up. He calls it the Bath of the Nymph, and it's an ethereal picture over the bed. And it has to be destroyed, really, because it's kind of... It, it, it's a false economy. It's not a real woman, and it's over their marriage bed, and it, it's it's the ethereal, not the real. And he comes down on the side of the real mostly. But here he's saying that, you know... That all those poets are so brit- that they must be eating vegetarian food and that's causing them to write poetry. I don't know. It's a bit silly. Well, I'm glad <laughs> that I'm... I don't know. I might be less poetic for eating cheese and meat and all the rest of it, yeah. but I think uh, I'd rather fall on that side. Uh, yes. But so, and so would he. As, so as we go on, he, what does he have for lunch? He decides a different course. Yes. I'm hungry. He entered Davy Burns' bar. Hello, Bloom, Nosy Flynn said from his nuke. Hello, Flynn. How's things? Tip top, let me see. I'll take a glass of burgundy and let me see a sandwich. Ham and his descendants, mustard and bread there. Potted meats, what's a home without Dignam's potted meat? What a stupid ad. Cheese digests all but itself. Mighty cheese. Have you a cheese sandwich? Yes, sir. I'd like a few olives too if they had them. 
Italian I prefer. Millie served me that cutlet with a sprig of parsley. Take one Spanish onion. God made the food. The devil the cooks. Wife well? Quite well, thanks. A cheese sandwich then. Uh, Gorgonzola, have you? Yes, sir. Is she doing any singing these times? Better tell him does no harm for yet. She's engaged for a big tour at the end of the month. You may have heard, perhaps. Oh, no, that's the style. Who's getting it up? Uh, how much is that? Seven pence, sir. Thank you. Mustard, sir? Thank you. Uh, he studded under each lifted strip yellow blobs. Getting it up. Well, it's a company idea, you see. Part shares, part profits. Ah, now I remember. Who was telling me? Isn't Glaze's boiling mixed up in it? A warm shock of air heat of mustard haunched on Mr. Bloom's heart. He raised his eyes and met the stare of a bilbous clock. Time going on, not yet. His midriff yearned, then upward, sank within him, yearned more, longly, longingly. Wine. He smell-sipped the cordial juice and, bidding his throat strongly to speed it, set his wine glass delicately down. Yes, he's the organiser in point of fact. Mr. Bloom ate his strips of sandwich, fresh clean bread with relish of disgust pungent mustard, the feety savour of green cheese. Sips of his wine soothed his palate. Not logwood, that taste fuller for the weather, with the chill off. I taste it better because I'm not thirsty. Bath, of course, does that. Just a bite or two. Then around six, I can... Six. Six. Time will be gone, then. She. Boiling. So that... So that's his lunch. (laughs) So again, again with the, the gorgonzola yeah. sandwich with mustard. Yeah, and he, 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 you know, wine-soaked and softened, rolled pith, pith of bread, mustard, a moment, mawkish cheese. He, he, he savors it in his mouth. He mixes the, bur- the, the, the wine and the cheese and the, and the bread and just lets that roll for a second. <laughs> and we all do. Yeah. Again, we all do that. But it, it, hearing it described in such a way, you know, it is mm. quite, uh, it almost sounds a little disgusting. You know, almost. But, you know, it's like it's what we do (laughs) is what we do. Disgusting, probably. And I think Joy Joy said, let's embrace that. That's true. We're all a bunch Uh, of animals uh, running around. Yeah. Um, And then he remembers his first kiss. No, poor, poor Bloom. His first kiss was a bit too much for him. Molly was his first kiss. And now Molly's his wife. Molly's his wife. And his first kiss was from his wife. And she slipped him a a mawkish pulp of seed cake into his mouth in the middle of the kiss and it quite blew his mind I think he never recovered <laughs> now seed cake what is seed cake seed cake would just be a, a kind of a, a, like a, a granola bar with loads of seeds in it but it would be made locally and you know lots of seeds you know with um, I suppose sunflower seeds and, and, and all that sort of stuff, good stuff so that's uh, that's really interesting. So th- I mean, in this whole bout, uh, this whole day, this whole relationship that he is in hinges on fertility or the lack thereof, and they're tr- struggling whether or not they're going to have another child. And so for them to have their first kiss, you know, be seed cake is kind of uh, yeah pretty it, poignant as y- well. Yeah, um, and l- l- let me go on here. Uh, it, he remembers this first kiss. Will, you, will, I, will I give you a quick blast of him sure, remembering? Sure, Okay. And it comes from the wine again. He takes a sip of his wine and he says, Seems to a secret touch telling me memory. Hidden under wild ferns and hoth, my hand under her nape. You'll toss me all, oh wonder. Cool soft with ointments, her hand touched me. Caressed. Her eyes upon me did not turn away. Ravished over her lay. Full lips full open, kissed her mouth. Yum. 
Softly she gave me in my mouth the seed cake warm and chewed, mawkish pulp her mouth had mumbled sweet and sour with spittle joy, I ate a joy. Young life, her lips that gave me pouting. Soft, warm, sticky, grum-jelly lips, flowers her eyes were take-me-willing eyes. Pebbles fell. She lay still. A goat? No one. High on Ben Hoth rhododendrons, a nanny goat walking sure footed, dropping currants. <coughs> Screened under ferns, she laughed warm folded. Wildly I lay in her, kissed her eyes, her lips, her stretched neck beating, woman's breast full in her blows of nuns veiling, fat nipples upright, hot I tongued her. She kissed me. I was kissed. All yielding, she tossed my hair. Kissed, she kissed me. Me, and me now. Talk. Talk. Museum. Naked goddesses. Aids to digestion. What would she say first? Mortal. Put you in your proper place. Quaffing nectar at mess with God's golden dishes. All ambrosial. Nectar. Imagine it. Drinking electricity. God's food, and we stuffing food in one hole and out behind. Food, kyle, blood, dung, earth food, like stoking an engine. Goddesses have no anus. I never looked. I look today. Museum keeper won't see. Bend down, let something drop, see if she... Four o'clock! O'clock. At four she. So it's haunting him the whole day is this four o'clock and, and, and boiling and he just can't get away from it and and four o'clock is supposedly when boiling and his wife are going to have a tryst they're going to have a tryst over the piano uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> cue music uh, cue music exactly <laughs> um well so it is just yeah it, it is incredible how much he is he just is able to weave all of this talk of Food and the cycle of food as it relates to different parts of his life and different parts of his day. He is fully steeped in it. He's fully steeped. Let, let, let me just give you two quick cheeses. Okay. He's telling somebody to shut up. Oh, cheese it. Shut your blurry Dutch oven with a firm hand. And then he's referring to another inferior soprano rather than his wife. Reedy, freckle soprano. Cheese pairing nose. <laughs> the cheesiness of it all the cheesiness of it all so cheese can be an insult cheese oh, can be yeah. you know uh, uh you know a statement a firm uh-huh. statement cheese can be a, a you know comparison to death cheese can be yeah a cheesy uh, I mean, that's a bad one for cheese you know they say things are cheesy things are cheesy kind yeah, of cheap and kind of imitation and like not so well and ridiculous know. in a way who made that one up i don't know ah, we're done, we're done does, with that someone who doesn't love cheese <laughs> absolutely that's for sure <laughs> But uh, lucky for us, James Joyce did, and he used it with uh, with pluck and with uh, particular spirit all throughout the book, which I'm now quite excited to go back and read after um, having this uh, having heard this adaptation. Um, and so, tell tell our listeners. You you said that there's a possibility. If anyone wanted to to come out and see the the next reading of this, is there a way that they could find out about it? Is there? I would say for the for the next reading, we need to. We need, we're looking for producers. We're looking for money. Um, so if anybody's got money and they want to come, but we we hope to have this up before the summer in in in, in a theater near you. <laughs> um, we've got we've got all, all, all everything in place, and we just need some money. 
Well, we'll find some money. Well, oh, yeah. so check saxelbycheese.com <laughs> and I will put it on the calendar when uh, Patrick is going to be doing his next reading of uh, of Gibraltar. It's a real treat to have you and thank you for for reading with us today. I feel like we were an old-fashioned, you know, radio serial or something <laughs> yeah. having a story told well we could do three of these shows i'm sure and we still wouldn't have gotten to the bottom of this food business well that's what he says cheese never ends right and just keeps on keeps on reproducing yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah well thank you so much for coming out today and uh we will see everybody next week next sunday on cutting the curd on the heritage radio network